Hey, what's up? My name is Neville Medora, and today I have hijacked the OK Dork podcast. Yeah, I just logged into Noah's account. Apparently his password is 25% off, please. So that was pretty easy. Anyways, what I'm gonna show for you today is 10 life formulas. It's just 10 of them with a little surprise at the end for you. And if just one of these 10 sticks with you, it can have a massive effect on your life. These are usually very low effort to implement tasks, but very high value when actually practiced. So maybe they can have a big impact on your life or not. What do I know? Well, let's just get started. So life formula number one. This is what I call the 1% improvement per week principle. Now I've gone through every iteration of trying to raise my income by 100% in a week or 10X in a year. And maybe I just suck, but what I found the most helpful is aiming at getting 1% better every week. I mean, 1% is not a lot. That means you just have to do something a little bit better every week. But what happens is that 1% compounds. And so as week one goes on, week two, week three, week 52, week 104, you get the point, it gets a lot better. I learned this concept from the founder of Chipotle. He was originally a chef in New York and the way he chopped the parsley for the burritos was by hand. But whenever he bought it from a manufacturer, he noticed it didn't taste quite as good. So he actually invented a new way to get industrial grade chopped parsley. And because their parsley was 1% better, no one really noticed a big difference. But they did everything like this 1% better. Their meat was 1% better. Their rice was 1% better. The parsley was 1% better. And therefore, when you end up taking a bite of Chipotle, you're like, oh, whoa, that doesn't taste like anything I've ever tasted before. So that's what the 1% increase can do. So figure out this week, what's something you can get just 1% better at? Sounds pretty easy, huh? Concept number two is called the Amish hour. So a day actually has 24 hours, but what if we just subtract one hour per day? So the day has 23 hours. Now, this was a thing I invented for myself several years ago. Basically, I try my best to take an Amish hour before bedtime. This means before bed, I will shun TV, computer, phone, or tablet. Now, obviously our air conditioners are run by computers and our lights work on electricity, so we can't shun all electricity and all electronic devices, but the goal is to have some concentrated and uninterrupted learning time. So what I usually do is an hour before bed, I put my phone in a different room, sleep mode on, preferably upside down so I don't even catch a glimpse of it. I set my alarm to wake up in the morning in advance, and then this extra hour each night gets in some good reading time or thinking time or planning time or drawing, whatever low-tech activity you feel is good for you. It helps you wind down for the day. It helps you fall asleep faster. And you just aren't bombarded by things that could possibly upset you. So I would encourage everyone to take an Amish hour, one hour before sleep. Just try to shun technology one hour before sleep. It's that simple. Number three. How can I solve this problem hilariously? I take the problem plus hilariousness and try to add them together. You see, sometimes I'll have a task that's kind of boring and I would rather have something that's fun and funny rather than boring any day. So I ask myself, how can I solve this task hilariously? Simply asking this question puts a mischievous grin on my face and for some reason my brain starts lighting up with solutions. Sometimes these solutions are absurd, of course, but oftentimes it leads to a legitimately great solution. There's some dumb things like, I had this gif of a guy typing on a keyboard. While drawing this, his hand kind of looks like a penis. So I erased it immediately and tried to redraw his typing hands, but was so tickled by the idea of penis hands <laughs> that I went ahead and redrew the hands where they definitely look like penises. 
For some reason, this gave my 12-year-old mind great satisfaction. I don't know why, but it made the work fun for me. So I like to optimize my life for maximum comedy. So for me asking, how can I solve this hilariously, is a great thing to ask me. For a cheap bastard like Noah Kagan, he can say, how can I solve this the cheapest? And that will give him great satisfaction. For an efficiency geek, they can say, how can I solve this the most efficient way possible? And that would bring them great satisfaction. So whatever metric brings you joy, no matter how stupid or unreasonable, is great. Try it. Number four, it's always your fault. No matter what, just assume everything is your fault. I did this homeless experiment where I went homeless for a while, and I talked to a lot of people that were homeless, and the language I heard from every single person was shockingly always the same. It's the government's fault. It's my ex-wife's fault. It's the system's fault. Okay, whatever. I'm sure external forces had a lot to do with these people's situations. But in the end, you and you alone are in charge of your future. And if you spend all your brain energy thinking that it's someone else's fault, you'll always keep playing the victim and suffer. So maybe a better way to put it is this. It's your responsibility. Take responsibility for everything. You're able to analyze the problem if you take responsibility for it. You're able to figure out a course of action and then pull yourself out of it. So always blame yourself, always take responsibility. Number five, brutally checking your value in society. People are a product. There's a lot of this mentality that everyone has value, everyone is unique, everyone is special. Nope, we all actually have a value in society. I mean, let's say if you are a guy, if you're tall, that's extra points for you. If you have a lot of resources like money, well, that's extra points in society's eyes. If you're super talented in some way, that's extra points also. Now, if you're not good at all those things or you're lacking in certain areas, you can always compensate by piling on heavy in other areas. But brutally taking inventory of what you have to offer is a helpful way to improve yourself. That is, if you are trying to improve yourself. Having self-value is great and all, but it often swings too far in the other direction where people are trying to falsely feel good about themselves. Yes, you can temporarily mask the fact that you might suck, but it always ends up getting exposed in the long run. At least having some sense that you need to improve will help you, well, improve. So remember, every once in a while, brutally check your value in society. This next one, number six, is about second and third order effects. You see, Every effect has a second and third order effect and fourth order and so on. It would be like saying we should give out free student loans to everyone. You know, I could just imagine a politician saying we should guarantee easy access to student loans. This does seem like a good idea, but if you take a little bit of extra time and look at the second order, third order, fourth order effects, etc., you might notice that it kind of backfires. You see, if we just say we're going to guarantee easy access to student loans and give you unlimited loans, well... The second order effect is that now a ton of new students start taking out student loans and bigger student loans. The third order effect is this gigantic amount of new student loans means that everyone can afford these large sums of money for college. The fourth order effect is that colleges raise their prices because so many people are applying. They have to. The fifth order effect is students take out higher and higher loans to get into those more expensive colleges because it's so easy. The sixth order effect is within a decade, college prices have now gone up by over 2,000%. Then a whole solution is proposed to counteract all those second, third, fourth, fifth order effects. Like, let's forgive all student loans. This is almost always a dumb solution as it doesn't solve anything. The actual solution is to have never done that first thing in the first place, not to guarantee those gigantic loans. 
This will mean students have to pay out of pocket, which means they'll have smaller budgets, and will question the value of their degree, which means colleges have to lower their prices or offer better programs to make sure that students can pay those things back quickly. So think about these second and third order effects before you view a problem in such a simplistic manner. Number seven is toughen up, you bitch. I am shocked whenever I give people harsh advice, how often they just have never heard something like that. Well, I'm telling you to toughen up, you little bitch. Being sad sometimes is normal. Being tired sometimes is normal. Being anxious sometimes is normal. These are not always mental disorders. These are often just normal, everyday human feelings that everyone throughout time has had. If you just tell yourself whilst feeling sad, this is a pretty normal human emotion. It's usually temporary, and it can almost always be solved by hanging out with loved ones, getting some exercise, or taking a walk outside. You will then be able to bear this emotion like a big boy or a big girl. The thing in my mind that sticks out is this little story. Someone once asked Arnold Schwarzenegger, whilst he was going through a nasty divorce and a cheating scandal and all this other political stuff, they asked him how he was holding up. And he replied, well, it's better than being in the coal mines in Austria. And it's because he came from such a rough background that he has that perspective of like, you know what, all this pressure, all this bad stuff, it's not that bad. It could be way, way worse. Number eight, life is finite. You will die. You're going to die. Every bacteria, every cell, every animal, every human, every self-replicating organism before you has died. We know the average lifespan of a cat is 10 to 15 years. We know a dog will last between 10 and 15 years. A horse will go for 25 to 30 years. And a human can often make it around 80 years. So why not plan it out? Kind of like a vacation. Imagine you're going to Italy for two weeks. You at least know you want to see the Eiffel Tower and that you want to take a water gondola ride. Now, you don't have to plan out every second of this two-week vacation. In fact, 80% of the time can just be spent aimlessly wandering around and see what happens. However, you still have that two-week time frame to base it off. And that's why knowing that you are going to die, your life is finite, is a very important concept to keep in mind. It's not sad. You just need to know that you got to pack in all the good stuff before you call it quits. Number nine, happiness equals health plus wealth plus love. Here's a very simple formula to see what sucks in your life so you can fix it. If you're sad or depressed, barring some medical condition, it's likely one of these three areas that is out of whack, your health, wealth, or love. Health is your overall health condition. Wealth is your money situation. And love is your family and friends and partners. Are any of these areas severely lagging in your life? Then it's likely that area is dragging the others down also. An easy way to rate these is on a scale from zero to five. Zero being the worst, five being you don't need to improve at all. So health, how are you from zero to five? On your wealth front, how are you? Zero to five. On your love front, how are you? Zero to five. Whichever one of those is the lowest is the one you should start seeking out and improving right now. Number 10, write it out. Writing is greater than thinking. Your brain sucks at remembering things. So if you write things out, it's a much more logical way to solve a problem. Let's imagine that you're really sad one morning. And you don't know why. And you're stumbling around and you're just like, oh, why does life suck? Well, what if you just write it out? So if you're laying in bed wondering why you feel like crap, your brain will go in endless circles. But if you grab a piece of paper and a pen and write it out, you might say, wait, is my brain chemically altered right now? Did I not have enough sleep? Oh, I'm hungover. So you see, by writing it out, you can see logically what's wrong with you. 
And then you can see the text in front of you and instantly see like, oh, I went out with my friends last night and drank a little too much. And this morning I'm slightly hungover. Hangovers can make you feel like crap. So by writing this out, you can figure out the primary reason you feel like crap is because you're hungover. And you know that for the next few hours, you will 100% still feel like crap, but that's normal. And if you drink a lot of water, eat some food, try to work out in a few hours, it'll all go away and feel better. But for now, you will continue to feel like crap and being hungover is the reason. At least by writing this out, you have identified the problem and know what to expect and how to start solving it. Whereas if you let your brain go in charge, it'll just keep running in circles of why you feel like crap and making you feel even more like crap. So those are just 10 simple life formulas I have as I've taken over the OK Dork podcast. To recap, it's a 1% improvement per week, the Amish hour, how can I solve this hilariously? It's always your fault. Brutally checking your value in society. Second order and third order effects. Toughen up, you little bitch. Life is finite. Happiness equals health plus wealth plus love. And number 10, write it out. And now, number 11, bonus. We are doing a speed roast. That's right. We are going to make fun of our dear friend, Noah Kagan. And we only do this because we love him. So let's give up a big hand for our friend of the hour, Noah Kagan and the OK Dork Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Noah records his podcast in high def. That's because you have to be high and deaf to listen to a fucking episode. Oh my God. It's brutal. Listening to Noah's podcast answers the question, what if Hitler only killed all the funny Jews? <laughs> Noah recently did a taping of the OK Dork Podcast with a live studio audience. We actually split-tested the taping, meaning the audience split and we all had to get tested. The show was so horrible. The price was $10 to get in and 20 to get out. I don't know why I had agreed to do this episode. I mean, I've seen a horse shitting on a parade route that has more followers than this podcast. You see, Noah's Jewish. His God had to invent the Sabbath so he wouldn't have to listen to the fucking OK Dork podcast on a Saturday. Thanks to the OK Dork podcast, Noah has a very active sex life now. That's right. Every time he posts an episode, he fucks 10,000 people out of 20 minutes of their time. <laughs> As you may know, there are two Kagan brothers. There's Seth Kagan, who is a successful doctor. And then there's Noah Kagan, who is the host of the OK Dork podcast. So Noah, is there like a form your mom has to fill out to disown you? Or does she just hit unsubscribe like all your other listeners? And as you know, Noah insists on giving himself rap names and dressing cool so he can appeal to a younger crowd. Yeah, Noah, you're exactly what all the kids are looking for. A 37-year-old bald man with earrings trying to give millennials advice. Jesus Christ, you look more like Mr. Clean going through a midlife crisis. But for real, everyone, I'd like to thank Noah for taking his time to do this podcast because it's super helpful for all of us. Noah graciously spends about two hours of his working day on the OK Dork podcast and the other six hours balding. <laughs> but in reality, this guy's super popular. This guy's like a Jewish rock star. Hey, Noah, what's the name of your band? I want my nickel back. <laughs> As you know, everyone, I'm roasting him because I love him. So let's give it up for our boy, Noah Kagan. Woo! So that's it for me, Neville Medora. I hope you enjoy these 10 life hacks and this quick offensive speed roast. But if you want to find more of me, I'm at copywritingcourse.com, misspelled with K's, or swipefile.com. And you can see all about me, all my content there. You can join our copywriting course where we just basically will write all your copy for you. 
And if you have any more questions, leave a comment and I'll answer it. Have a good day. All right, that's a wrap. I hope the mystery episode with Neville was great. If it was, go say hi to Neville on Twitter at NevMed, that's N-E-V-M-E-D, or at copywritingcourse.com with two Ks. If the episode totally sucked, make sure to report his emails to spam. Next, tell a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go do something surprising together. And before you go, let me know what you thought of this mystery episode by shooting me an email at podcast at okdork.com. What's your favorite toothpaste?